Hello and welcome to another Not Chili podcast, where we watch a movie and then we just sit down and talk about whatever we think about. This is a special episode because it's actually the first of a series of episodes. We met up with a friend, Tony, who is just as much of a Star Wars fan as Josh is. And we thought, you know, how about let's do a whole series and we're going to hopefully get through the entire Star Wars trilogy, as well as the original trilogy, the current trilogy and the prequel trilogy. And we just wanted to discuss it because these guys are big fans of the show. And I'm just kind of like, I do enjoy Star Wars, but I'm kind of more just the, the guy that sits there and asks the really stupid questions. So I think it's like a really good dynamic where we can kind of just, I just throw my silly questions towards these guys and these guys answer it, probably half rolling their eyes in the meantime. So sit back, relax and enjoy. All right, so I'm rolling. Let's struggle between good and evil and shit. Awesome. Hi. <laughs> All right, welcome. Um, obviously we have Josh here. Hi. And we have Tony. Hi there. I think we were talking last year, what was it, like halfway through last year about doing this exact series, which we were just starting on the next season, the next year. Star Trek. Star Trek. Woo! Ready? Yeah, I love, I love Star Trek. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about Star Trek? The reds, the blues, Trek? the yellows. Uh, my favorite thing is I don't think I've lasted more than five minutes in any of the films without falling asleep. <laughs> Oh, really? That's pretty amazing. Surely not 2009. Oh, the new ones are... The Star well, Wars well, one. Yeah, the Star Wars <laughs> one, yeah. So did you ever get through a whole Star Trek film by watching it five minutes at a time and just passing nah, it? can't do it. No, I can't I did my Next Generation, though, when I was growing up, when it was actually prime time before it... Um, uh oh Before it... Uh, I'll tighten that. Went to midnight session and then disappeared off the planet. Well, obviously, we're not actually talking about something. It was no, on no. really late. Yeah. I tried with Next Generation. Sorry, Star Trek fans. It's shit. I love that we're still talking about Star Trek. <laughs> you know what's a lot better than Star Trek? Star Wars. Oh, nice segue. Nice. By well a done. million miles. And what did we By ju- light years. What did we just watch? Who wants to start this up? Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Now, why did we watch Episode 4 first? Because it was the first one. Mm-hmm. And back in those confusing times where you used to say, oh, watch Star Wars on the weekend, and you couldn't, weren't sure if you were talking about Star Wars or one of the other ones. Yeah. Because you never called it A New Hope, even though it was called A New Hope at the beginning. Yeah. It was just known as Star Wars. Yeah. What was the whole idea of, like, calling it number four? Because he had the ideas for the trilogy. According to George Lucas, anyway, he says that for the prequel ideas were sort of the initial concept and then um he says that he didn't have the technology at the time that's basically what he said wasn't it yeah i think that's his excuse yeah so what four was like the easiest one to accomplish it doesn't it, look the- it doesn't really t- maybe he had that in his head somewhere but it doesn't really line up it's not in any of his notes that i'm aware of and he um also there's things that also don't make sense like uh the the mask idea of darth vader which is like so much of to do with his background, that wasn't George Lucas's idea either. That was um, was Ralph Ralph McQuarrie, the concept artist. It was just to help him breathe in space. Oh. Because Ralph McQuarrie said when he steps from the Star Destroyer into the blockade runner Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the film, he said there would be a little gap and that there would be a vacuum. And so everyone needs to wear helmets. So do we know a point in which, because the dudes inside the ship obviously don't have helmets, they don't, 
So was it with this, was there originally supposed to be a point where he like yeah. takes off his helmet and he's like, I'm Darth Vader. Basically. No. Oh. That was early, early. Really? Uh, bear in mind, like, it used to be Luke's star killer and Han Solo was a green lizard. So shit changes. Really? Yeah, and Wookiees were um, Ewoks and Ewoks were Wookiees and Yeah. You know, Something like that. All kinds he of wanted stuff. Wookiees originally in the last in Return of the Jedi. But easier to get little people than big people, apparently. Really? Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's cheaper. I, I, just think, well, like- I think it was the whole thing with that's a different movie altogether. We'll get to that one later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but on the set of American Graffiti, which was the film he made before Star Wars, the mm. reason they let him make Star Wars, um, yeah, that's what he told um, Richard Dreyfus, the one of the lead actors on that film. He, he was rambling on about stuff to do with Star Wars and, and he was like, all I remember he was like him saying, it would, you know, it'd be amazing to make like a, in this space opera to have like people with limited technology and they don't have much like really take down a massive empire like the Vietnam War. Like that was just a conversation he had with Richard Dreyfus on that set. So, you know, people that shit on Return of the Jedi for the Ewok stuff saying it was just marketing, he had clearly had that idea in the early 70s. Yeah. And yeah. then the market. <laughs> so, do you like A New Hope? Yeah, what, what, what's your actual feelings? Oh, well, actually, first of all, Tony, this is the first time you're actually appearing on this podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How do you know Josh? And obviously, I know you through Josh, so go for it. Um, used to work with Josh back in the day mm-hmm. um, for a publishing company. Um, and just, yeah... I think the first thing I remember about Josh is, <laughs> is, is this is your life. <laughs> um, somehow our conversation at work was, you know, if you could have any movie prop or thing from any film be real, what would it be? And apparently Josh said lightsaber and I agreed. So and then you know, friendship, is friendship is formed instantly. I think our, our, our friendship really started to like balloon probably around the time Leading up to the time, and then after they Disney bought uh, Star Wars, it was sort of like leading up to that. When was that? Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. Yeah. When did you get married? Twenty thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen. Oh my god! I just for a second I thought that was like two years ago. Nope. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, what do you do for a living? Uh, so I'm sort of uh, project manager on websites and things, but yeah, pays the bills. I watch. Films. Can we also say that we're surrounded by like there's a few things around, yeah, yeah, just a huge. What was it? I don't want to say so what it is because I don't want to be so in the executor, the super star destroyer Lego version, which is about three foot long and weighs a few kilos. And you have like a stack of DVDs there, and yeah. I think, I mean, on the scale of one to insane, which I guess is one to ten, what's the what's your rating of uh, how do you rate yourself about mm. being a Star Wars fan? Yeah, I'd be up there, you'd be like eight. It'd be a 10. You think it'd be a 10? Well, no, okay, hold on here. What do you think? No, well, it depends. You got those crazy no, psycho nerds. No, no, so, Josh, you, you're not allowed to talk right now. <laughs> you'll, you'll have your turn, sir. What, would you, what do you think? No, no, like I'm a massive fan, mm-hmm. but it depends. If, you, if I'm, you know, of normal people, I'd be out 10. But if you've got those crazy obsessives who watch a film at the cinemas like 400 times, I'm like, yeah, I'm not that much. So maybe you're a nine. Yeah. We'll if, go, you were to we'll getting, go if you're going to go with your own... Ready. Yeah, we'll go for nine. Okay, Josh, what do you think about yourself before you go into out of ten? 
See, the, the problem with fandom is stop com- complicating this. <laughs> no, but it is complicated. Like I would, I would say that, and I would agree. I would say this about myself as well. Like I would say that Tony is a true fan, and that's not about. You, you'll have your turn to talk about. No, Tony. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking gonna, about you, sir. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would define it under true fan, like someone who really. It's about the love of Star Wars. It's not about strangling it it's not about owning every piece of merchandise it's not about cosplay it's not it's not about any of that stuff so you're like a seven is that what you're saying <laughs> star wars about is about spirit and soul and heart what is it seven and a half i don't know <laughs> i don't know what does that mean i'd say a 10 we just just numbers that's all we yeah, need. yeah that's all you guys are so I put myself you put 10. yourself down as a 10 i fucking love star wars there's no wrong answer here by the way so now tony i oh, want you to- in that i'll go for 10 as well then why not okay and how do you guys rate each other how do you guys see each other? Like, what do you think Josh is? If you if you look at Josh, you go, do you actually think? If I'm okay? if I'm on a scale against Tony, I'm like a nine point six, and okay. he's, he's a ten. Oh, all right. So you're a little bit more of a fan via Maybe. Josh's eyes. What do you think of yourself in in comparison to Josh? He's looking at me, going, "He hasn't even fucking finished Clone Wars." Yeah, he hasn't. <laughs> he hasn't finished Clone Wars yet. So there you go. That's fair. That's totally yeah, fair. Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, so far behind him. Okay. So no, that, that, I think that scales him down a little bit. Yeah, so, we, so we know Tony seems to be the bigger fan here. I just think uh, it's it's interesting how people absorb Star Wars and talk about Star Wars in terms of fandom. Mm-hmm. And I always find it really funny that, like, t- to me, Star Wars fandom is about, uh, there's no way to say this without sounding like a complete tool, but I think it's about understanding Star Wars, what mm-hmm. it is, how it changes, how you feel differently about it over time, what it meant at the time, what the intention was, how it can change, like how flawed it is, mm-hmm. you know, that people like you just hear fans like particularly sort of the as I used to when I was about 19 or so be like, I really wish we'd get like a dark Star Wars movie and blah, blah, blah. It's like. What the fuck was I watching that I thought that that's what was within the scope of Star Wars? Mm. And now what are people watching that they think is that's within the scope of Star Wars? Star Wars has always been something that niche is supposed to sort of be like Pixar in that it s- s- serves the dual purpose of being sufficiently entertaining for adults to get something deep out of it and sufficiently entertaining for children to just go wild with their imagination when they watch it. And I think that people lose... I think a lot of ways that fandom is expressed lose vision of that mm-hmm. idea that it's just it's meant to be about imagination and fun and and morals. It really is meant to be about morals. It's it's about right and wrong and good and bad and really just basic ancient storytelling stuff. And I think that people lump a lot of shit on top of that that then loses po- like focus of the point. Is that something you feel, Tony? Yeah, I think. When, you know, when you're young, you just see, oh, yeah, they're the good guys and they're bad guys. And then maybe it's just, you know, experience with life, you know, people become more cynical mm-hmm. and then they expect more out of something that's not, that was never there. Like Star Wars was never, like Josh was saying, like massive dark and disturbing things. It's like, yeah, there's dark bits in it. In all the movies, there's disturbing bits, but it was never the whole movies like that. It's always, it's always had stupid jokes in it. We saw in Star Wars that we just watched, there's jokes throughout the whole thing. Mm. Maybe they're not as on the nose as some of the other movies are, or, you know, there's no fart jokes or anything like that, but it's still always been there. So it sounds like you two both really feel like that Star Wars is kind of about fun. It's about it's, it's escapism. Time. It's just there. It's about, you know, the magic of cinema. It's about, you know, it's it's never. I've never seen it as sci-fi. It's always been space fantasy to me, space yeah. opera. Um, what, so what's a space opera? 
like, I don't know what, like, sorry, I didn't invert my fingers there because I don't actually, uh, other than this film, it's the only film I, I've ever heard described as a space opera. I'm sure there is plenty of others that I'm not quite understanding, but why, really? what makes this an opera? I mean, operas are extremely melodramatic and, like, uh, they are mostly filled with exposition and, mm-hmm. and everything is just incredibly over the top and it's about something grand. Um, so when people try to put Star Wars into science fiction, Star mm-hmm. Wars has vastly more in common with Lord of the Rings than it does, um, say, Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. science fiction as a genre is meant to be about it's fairly broad and people have a hard time explaining it, but often one interpretation of science fiction is that it's to do with the interaction of technology, science, and humanity or whatever, but like traditionally humanity. Uh, whereas this has nothing, it's all fucking magic. Everything is magic in Star Wars. It's everything. It's Jedi, wizards, force, magic, lightsabers, swords. Yeah, yeah. It's There's nothing scientific. <laughs> remotely scientific about anything there's the, and and all of the physics in the entire thing are based on uh world war ii footage like you know so they fly around in space like it's you know some big battle from world war ii and all that kind of stuff it's yeah that's that's in term i don't know how i got to that point but <laughs> so that's why it's a space opera um <laughs> okay. but it's it's not science fiction and it's it's it is space fantasy. Yeah, I guess like space the, opera due to how over the top it is. One of the things that I always think about when I think of science fiction is I think of like when you look at like I don't know the the communicator that they use in Star Trek and how we now have that version of what we use today. And I don't think Star Wars ever tried to tell a story about and try to predict a future. It always just told just, just yeah. like, um, what, oh man, there was a movie about that. Re- like it was similar and uh, that it's just complete bogus and it just uses any, oh my God, what am I saying? It's Harry Potter. If you look at, you look at Harry Potter and you go, they just use the whatever device, whatever it is. They don't care. They're just trying to tell the story. I, I, what, yeah. what, one of the key things is that, you know, when, when people are talking about Star Wars and you just, as someone who's like someone who gets like rubbed up the wrong way easily about Star Wars stuff, you just sort of have to frequently let things slide. Otherwise, you're the person that's, you know, screaming at people on the street mm-hmm. uh, for things like, I don't know how many times I've I've heard this, but like, yeah, you know, I really want a future like Star Wars. And I'm like, it literally says at the beginning, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is an ancient story. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing to do with the future. Yeah, that's right. What are you talking about? So it's like it's not even a human future. It's just it's just nonsense. It, mm. it is just nonsense, and and it's amazingly beautifully crafted nonsense. It's 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 just a fantasy story that has pulled from a lot of classic forms of storytelling, and then you know used it in the modern context. I mean, in the entire history of humanity, you couldn't until that time tell that story. Is impossible. You, you just no one could have even imagined it in their heads if you wrote it as a book. It's it's it, it's just a film that like it, was two thousand and one Space Odyssey before this. Yeah, nineteen sixty nine. Okay, so that was so. I mean, not saying that you could tell the same story, but like there was some amazing, like space kind of like maybe not yeah. flying ships. There is, but it was very much based like in within the realms of supposed feasibility. But also just even you watch that and then, yeah, okay, the effects and everything in that are amazing, but that is the most common comparison, right? Mm-hmm. But 
look at the difference between the two things. Like the technology in Star Wars is like unbelievably advanced. And uh, by comparison, like you don't see anything like the way the ships move in Star Wars. You don't see anything like that in 2001. And that was mostly the people working on Star Wars. On on A New Hope, they used up 80% of the budget figuring out how to do the shots. And then they had to do all of the special effects for the entire film with 20% of the visual effects budget. Like, no one had any fucking idea how to do it. Hadn't happened before. Yeah, so right. It's amazing. So they had the rudimentary idea of what to do. They knew how to use blue screens and this and that. And then someone was sort of saying, like, I know, let's... Let's move the camera around the model because the models are too big and things like that, like all these incredible things. But nothing had ever moved on a screen like that before that looked like that. Yeah, right. And we obviously saw the most like recent and up-to-date version of this. Yeah. And it's the, that's the most, um, it is the most uh, zhuzhed one, isn't it? Yeah, because you got the whole bunch of different versions. You got the original one, although it had subsequent re-releases with all these little tweaks. Um, but then you have the special edition, which added a whole bunch of scenes. Then you had the DVD release, which made things worse and destroyed the sound mix as well. Um, colors all over the shop. Um, and then they released a Blu-ray version, which fixed a lot of those problems. And they added some extra little effects here and there as well, like R2-D2 hiding behind extra rocks that weren't there before. All right. They could. Blinking Ewoks. No! Stuff like that. And they changed um, Obi-Wan's Crate Dragon noise yeah, for like f- the fifth time. Yeah. Well, let's start this off because I, I guess we'll... Let's get to the actual movie. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> this is important because this is technically going to be the first... I, I can't imagine I might I might release it the way that we're recording this. So like, so everyone knows that yep. we'll release it like how it was released rather than chronologically, storyline-wise. Um, so I, And it's important that we get a context of what you feel about like you in particular, Tony, that like what you feel about the whole series and like how how it, we just want a perspective on that before we even start talking about this specifically. But now I can go back into the the fact that Darth Vader was actually just a spacesuit, even though it didn't make any sense. But they kept it along. We we kicked down the doors of of the ship. I mean, it's a really kind of cool shot of the of the spaceship kind of flying through. I don't, I don't even know. You know all the details about what, what what it's called. What's that spaceship called? Blockade Runner and the Star Destroyer. Thank you very much. Ten T four. Oh, there you go. Even more detail. The specific name of the ship. It's the block, yes. Blockade Runner. Yeah. This is the point five that he gets. I can't remember the, the name of the Star Destroyer though. Oh, I feel bad. Yeah, I don't remember. This is disappointing. Yeah, I know. What kind of note am I? <laughs> and what what can I say about like the 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 stereotypes you hear about Star Wars is straight off the bat like the most inaccurate shooters in the world like those uh, imperial soldiers uh and we see it like i don't know i just couldn't help but is it me that that has such a critical eye or is it just something about the way that even that first scene was just like kind of clunky and and slow it was quite a slow paced fight action scene or am i just like youtube generation it was just stuff flying everywhere and covered with mist so you couldn't really see what was going on all very claustrophobic but it gave that sense of you know it's chaotic mm. in there. And like, yeah. you know, we're getting boarded by these people. We're running for our lives because we can't match them. And that guy at the beginning I always thought it kind of looked like Han Solo when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be a great character. And then he gets killed in like about three seconds and like, oh, <laughs> it didn't happen. But, um, Rebel number three, you mean? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it is, I don't know. I'm, I think I am very jaded in the way that I've like, I've been, That's I watched. an amazing opening sequence. Yeah. Yeah. so? Oh, Even to yeah. now, like like watching it now, you still think it's amazing? Uh, I think people are too adapted to like 
uh, everything's happening all at once immediately big films. I mean, that's, that's like, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think that it's a really good opening sequence. You just, everything's chaotic. You don't know what the fuck is going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, here is the bad guy. Okay. That's fine. And here she's the, uh, she's our good guy. And you're like, okay. I've got no idea what's going there's on. There's some empire <laughs> thing. All right, fine. It's the thing that is so amazing about Star Wars in 1977. And when you watch it now, you just go, that's the magic part of it. That's the fantasy part of it. It's not sitting there going, you know, it's not Star Trek and spending 45 minutes telling you like exactly the political situation in the the fucking galaxy. It's just going straight into catch up. Oh, and by the way, we just gave you all the exposition. Yeah, well, well that goes crawl. that goes back to <laughs> Piot's question from about three hours ago when we started the podcast. <laughs> was why is it episode four? Yeah, right. It's like, and that's exa- exactly the thing. You're in the middle of what in media res or whatever they call it, where you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not saying, all right, here's the beginning. That's what the prequels are for, telling the story, how it all came to that situation. But this is now you're dropped right in the middle of the battle, and you just you work it out. It's like. Darth Vader comes in. Oh, yeah, he's wearing black, you know, black cowboys, uh, the black hat of the cowboy. He's the bad guy. Oh, the music's e- evil. Oh, that's the bad guy. Oh, look, he's a he's a uh, young girl dressed in white and there's this nice melodious music. Oh, she must be the good guy. Just using so it's just filmmaking simple. to just yeah. immediately catch you up on stuff and give you an idea of what's happening. And then you catch up as you go and everything is really spelled out for you. But that opening sequence is... There's so many little details in that opening sequence, but just to stay, the things like the effects and stuff blow my mind. One of my favorite things about that opening sequence is like once they're inside the ship and all the lasers are going everywhere, um, how they hadn't figured out really how to well rotoscope depth. So most of everyone's shooting forward, but all most of the lasers in most of the shots are sort of flying right to left and left to right and up and down and stuff like that. And they don't really ever look like they're sort of traveling into the background. In, yeah. They don't look like they're traveling in Z space. It's, it's, it's really cool. But then they do later in the film. It's, it's interesting. Well, um, my feelings on this, this particular scene is just, and, and actually to be honest, the whole film is that I feel like the filmmakers were just trying to figure out how to tell this intense concept. Like this is a really high concept idea in the sense of like technically speaking and it's like how do we tell how do we manage to shoot laser beams down a hallway how do we you know like bypass so much or how do we send this robot and how do we even make a robot talk and have this like sidekick that doesn't actually speak a language we can but we can understand it through how other people react to it like it's just it's this whole film is like a setup for the rest of it even though um like even though it's a kind of good film in it's itself but I, I, but I do feel like it's, I, I, I feel like the film trips on itself quite a lot, but, but not as a, I wouldn't say that as a bad thing. Cause I think that's the thing of the time. Like if you're doing something for the first time, you're going to have like, you're going to have like things that you struggle with. And considering this is also the thing that always, like you were saying before while watching it, considering that he had the opportunity to kind of refresh a lot of this and to like, to fix things, the decisions he made to fix was pretty interesting and I'm not sure. He had a lot of unnecessary things and didn't fix up things that you kind of could have said, oh, yeah, that could do fixing up. But do you think part of it is not that, like trying to leave it as it is because it fixing that kind of things up? I, like rather than fixing but adding is probably a better option than trying to repair. 
because I think it's just that all of it comes back to everything to do with it comes back to George Lucas's imagination. And if that's what he imagined, that was the stuff that he put in. But if it if it met his imagination or lowest expectations, then he didn't touch it. Is really why I think the thing about this film, like that, you have to understand, is like basically only two people thought that it wasn't shit. Like I'm not totally familiar because she's kind of been erased from the history, but his wife, um. His wife had a lot to do with the success of it. Yeah, I think was she an editor? Was that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and no, she was. I think that first name Ma- Marsha, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, Marcia I can look Lucas. this up for you guys. Check. Um, and jo- uh, she, but I don't know how much she believed in it because mm. again, she's been mostly sort of erased from Lucasfilm history. But um, is she still alive? Yeah, uh, like, as far as I know, she is. I think so. Um. No, it's because they didn't have a good divorce. It's just oh, okay, right, right. Um, they got divorced during Empire. Marsha yeah. Lucas. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Wow, that was well, well remembered. Um, George Lucas believed in it, <laughs> and uh, Spielberg said that he always thought it was like Had going potential. to be a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, if it came off the way that George described it to him, I suppose you'd say. And he was the only one after a screening that said it wasn't shit. So, you know, it's that's the context within this film got made. Is imagine having the cinematographer, the 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 uh producers, the uh actors, the financiers. Imagine everyone standing around you saying this is so fucked. Yeah. Like that's that's the environment Star Wars was made in. So, and I feel I feel like you can see that. <laughs> I think yeah. that you can. I think that you can see that it was something that was held together by one single remarkable person who just, despite being clearly a horrendous communicator and not a good director in the true sense, uh, he didn't sell it for $5 billion for no reason. <laughs> he made something magical. Well, he, I think he also filled a void at a time where that's what it needed. Like, this is what, like, I, I, I like to believe that there is a lot of chance in this film because it is kind of awkward. But uh, once again, I'm also seeing this from a perspective of a different time. Like, I'm looking at it now. I literally just watched episode eight on Blu-ray, borrowed the copy of you. <laughs> Might and look visually a bit. Yeah. A little bit different. But, but even, it's not even like, obviously, like, you guys are being sarcastic. Bleh, but <laughs> um, but it's, it's so different. Every single, like, it still happens to retain some of the kind of charm that is Star Wars. But it's, it, it's... Imagine if you perfected the craft of telling a Star Wars story. I'm not saying that it's the best, like, Star no, Wars It's movie. because A it's... New Hope is a hobbit, is the hobbit to the Lord of the Rings. Like, when you, when you, if you read The Hobbit, it start, it doesn't feel really Middle-earthy, particularly near the start. It kind of feels like, is this, when is this set? What? The Hobbit was our first, right? He wrote that yeah. for his kids as a thing. Years like, before. Oh, here's a ring for this sorcerer. Sauron didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it was like... It's sort of been reworked back into... Yeah. Mythology it was a bit retconned. So it's that thing of like, that's kind of what this is. It's like, I just want to make this one. And if I can make it, and if people go and say it, I want to tell a lot more of it. What do you think about it? What do you think about George Lucas, Tony? What's your kind of like... Because Josh seems uh, to think he's some kind of messiah, which I'm not... No, no, no. I think, I think, I think unfortunately, he's been, he's be, he became a victim of his own success. Mm-hmm. Who will only be known now for Star Wars, and I'm sure if 
Star Wars was, you know, a moderate hit, not a, you know, box office busting juggernaut. He would have made all these other movies and who knows what we would have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's just, all right, he made what, THX, American Graffiti and Star Wars. Did he make anything else? Uh, like as a director? No. But I mean, we're talking about the man who put the guys who made Pixar in the same room together. Of course. Pioneered ILM. Uh, came up with the idea of nonlinear editing and financed the creation of the first nonlinear editing system. Um, oh, the guy, the, what the guy's done for film is he, huge, but he gets- modern film stands on his shoulders. It doesn't matter if it's a drama. It doesn't matter if it's a ten thousand dollar indie short film. It doesn't doesn't matter what it is. That that is an that's a fact. Is that so much of what we do today is thanks to his mind. That's what I like about him is the big picture guy. Uh, as I said, I don't think he's a messiah. I just think, I think, he's, a, I think he's a terrible director. He's appalling mm. with actors and that's 90% of that job mm. on set. He's notoriously bad with actors and it shows in the performances in, in anything he's touched. But, you know, as a big picture guy, fuck, he's amazing. He, he's, he's incredible. And the things that he's been behind, you know, people forget his massive involvement conceptualizing and helping to bring together Indiana Jones. He's 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 not some sort of one-note person. He's a really imaginative, uh, interesting person. I, I, I think that he's, you know, and that's that's the thing is that I think that this, this film is just such a testament to trying to pull something together and get it done. No one even wanted to play it in their cinemas. Fox had to... There was some love film. There was like a romance film. Love story, I think, is it? It wasn't love story. No. It was something else. There was a ma- the biggest release of that summer, 1977, that they had all their money behind was um, this romance film that was based on a best-selling book. All the cinemas had rejected screening Star Wars and 20th Century Fox turned around and said, okay, but you all want to buy this romance film, right? The requirement for screening that film is you have to have at least one of your screens showing Star Wars. That's the only reason cinemas even had it. That's that's how little anyone believed in in this thing. He he went on holiday, completely cut off from communication in Hawaii when the film came out. He booked, I think he books like a month or something, but he went away to be like, I can't handle what this will do to me when it fails. So someone had to find him on a beach because no one knew where he was. Someone eventually tracked him down. Was like, George, it's the biggest hit in the history of film. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's beaten Jaws. It's like you know. And after fuck, how many years had been? He, who knows how long it had been in his head? But we know that he'd been working on it for like in some way for like ten years. That's torturous as like a creative uh, it, person. it almost killed him making that movie yeah and and it's and that's the stuff that i think is the beautiful aspect and the really admirable things about george lucas is that you know he did a thing that's brought hundreds of millions of people happiness and sparked their imaginations and given them a really good allegory on right and wrong and it's a really clear thing about right and wrong as well like it's a star wars is a fantastic moral story for kids and you know just things like that i just think he's we fans of like we've so like crushed him for doing something that brought us happiness 
We spat in his face. That's what I think about George Lucas. Back to A New Hope. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, like, <laughs> one of the things that really stood out to me was the um, the the performances. I think, what was it, like, I think, don't you were saying, I, I think it might have, oh, what bit was it where we finally it's saw Ali, Obi-Wan it's Kenobi? It's when Ali Guinness came into Obi-Wan, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like finally. finally to connect. <laughs> and, and I will say that, like, without, that is, I think that's totally true, without the exception of Princess Leia, because I feel like her performance in like in that first scene was actually pretty good like pretty genuine and she has that kind of like fire and charm which we know from uh, Carrie Fisher like yeah. later down in the years and the way that she kind of like she's just has she's just a presence around or was unfortunately um but you're right about the like I felt like I mean Luke's character Mark Hamill who is once like a brilliant actor now and an incredible voiceover artist it's one of like uh, just an, like I just love listening to his work to think that how terrible of an actor he was. Hey, think of the lines he had to. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. He didn't much to work with, really. No, it, it could be completely true about that. I think it's like, like you were saying before about directing, it's like he wasn't directed right. The lines weren't exactly there for him. He was also very young. What, like, do we have any history like, about him? It's probably like 19 or something at that time. I think he was 20. Yeah, yeah around there. Was he wanting to be an actor? Do we know this, like the kind of story? Yeah, he had acted in things before. I think it would be on TV in a couple of small parts in movies. Yeah, he had little, little things. Okay, so it wasn't. It's still unknown though. Yeah, George Lucas had an obsession with like, un. it's why Harrison Ford wasn't supposed to be um, Han Solo because George Lucas had worked with him before. He was a carpenter helping out with something, wasn't he? He just got him to do some readings um, while they were casting him and they couldn't get anyone better. Yeah, so he they, was a good one. Like he was like, who are our best actors? Because I didn't mind Darth Vader, but I know that that was his voiceover. Like, oh man, fuck him, fuck David Prowse. I don't give a shit. It was at the original <laughs> that person guy. in the in the, in the suit. In the suit. He's yeah. like the most resentful. I don't know. What do you? What? Wouldn't you be resentful if you're like you were just acting? You're more resentful after. Well, he didn't know the voice was happening until Star Wars came out, and then uh, obviously that happened. Um, but then he got more resentful when. You know, Vader gets unmasked in in Return of the Jedi, and then it wasn't him. He got yeah, very. Oh, is it? Was he the same? Was he the same person throughout the three films? Yeah, the but- entire time that he's masked, it's David Prowse. <laughs> yeah, but in, in apparent, there's so many stories. I don't know what the truth is, but you know, the thing is that apparently Dave Prowse half leaked about the whole Vader Luke reveal, and because of that, well, Lucas believed that he leaked it. Oh. And then he sort of shunned him. So a lot of the sh- scenes in Jedi is actually Bob Anderson, who's a stunt fader. Oh, he's the you know, he does all the choreography and stuff as well. Wow. So a lot of it's not he did actually the prequel choreography, didn't he? As well? No, no, that was oh, Nick Gillard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's right. I forgot that. When you say choreography, you mean like the action sequences and fighting, yeah, for that, the sword fights and stuff. Right, right. Bob Anderson, sense. he did um like Princess Bride, I think, as well, and like heaps of stuff. Yeah, probably been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a bit of. I know this sounds like I'm just tooting my own horn here, but I did a. My my girlfriend got me a day, or I think it was a couple of lessons at a fight, like sword fighting kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's amazing to think that like the the later oh like the, as the films progressed and you know when the the next ones came out and stuff like that, the 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 choreography looked really cool. But if you want to think of what a real sword fight's like, it's probably closer to what the first or the fourth film was like. Like sword fights aren't glamorous and they don't look, yeah. they're actually really no. robotic. and like. But it's like the, th- the thing is like they do stay that way until Return of the Jedi. They only really change with the prequels. And the reason for that is 
the true test of the force is a lightsaber duel because you should be able to read into the force and anticipate the moves of your opponent. Mm. That's why they're so fancy, law wise. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But it will get into they that. They just like, fucking look sick. That's why. Because that's a whole <laughs> once we start watching the first and the second and the third. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we're going to be talking about because I love choreography. But I, I remember looking back at this and being like, "Oh man, it seems so boring." And then I'm like, "No, I actually really like it. Like, I think there's something about it. It's just real. Like, it's that's how but, you would kind of fight." I think like because <clears throat> in terms of like thinking back to being really young about five years old that's sort of the first time i have a memory of star wars and that memory is on a tv like you know however big like not big 30 centimeters 40 centimeters a 30 centimeter tv or whatever like little tv watching taped off of tv with ads i still remember Um, the ad breaks by the way in a a lot of the (laughs) movies especially return of the jedi really it's uh what ads were they sorry i'm sorry no no not the ad breaks but when they occurred Oh really? Yeah, I still remember like, the title but, screens come up. It's um, amazing. But the only thing I remember from that, and it was Return of the Jedi. So, uh, and it's Vader throwing Palpatine down. So the ne- the only time I really remember, and I don't really understand why, I became so hyped up about Star Wars. But we moved to America, and I got my first Star Wars toys shortly before that. There were some micro machines. One of them was the Millennium Falcon. Um, it must have been to do with the um, the special Seriously. edition or whatever it was called. What was the one called? The VHS release. The VHS release was in 95, maybe? Yeah. That was like, this is the last time you own, your last chance to own Star yeah, Wars yeah. on video. Yeah, yeah. Which that's are, probably true, which right? was. And, and Pizza Hut had like little figurines. And yeah. I remember all these different things. Do you have the VHSs? Yeah. Oh, I see. So you're a full-on collector. Yeah. Do you have every edition? Could you could you play us an edition that is like pre? Actually, all well, of my, my technically my brothers got the original VHS that were released for the last time. Then we got the VHS version of a special edition, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, after that was just there was nothing else in, after that until the DVDs. Would you go back and watch episode those? one had a VHS? Oh well, episode one, two, and three, but you didn't. Yeah, they had. DVDs. I got episode one on VHS. Even import two. even imported a copy with a special edition cell, which is useless. The play at the end. Oh, especially no, just a cell. Out. You know when they used oh, to give yeah. those little cells? Oh, look, oh, a cell from the movie. Oh, you mean like a frame? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's only 900,000 of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it was, it was really 1997 when I was 10 years old, so perfect Star Wars age. That's when my mind was blown. I was living in America and they announced they were going to have them in the cinemas. And I think my dad was visiting um, when we were in the States or something. I can't remember. But we went to... Um, Went to see it, and that shit blew my mind. Like, well, so you don't really remember watching it much before then, the cinema. I don't have memories. I know that I'd kind of seen. I know that I'd seen it, mm. but I hadn't been like crazy. Do you have like a? I mean, you are a little older than us, but do you have like a, a more like vivid memory of your experience of watching Star Wars? Well, I'm not, um, we're only I like one or two years older, aren't you? I don't know, am I? I'm 33. Well, turning 33 this year. It's the same with this guy. Yeah, a couple of years older. Yeah, so that's like, that's nothing. Yeah. That's really- I remember like 97, I remember I was like a teenager. I-, I watched them at the cinemas, having watched them about a thousand times on video taped from TV. So you remember them at the movies? Because I can't remember, obviously, because I- think- Special editions, yeah. Yeah, the second I wasn't, time. I wasn't born when, yeah. they, when they first came out. So yeah. I'm, I'm so- 1977, like- 1980, 1983. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. they weren't at the off. cinema again until 1997. Yeah. Okay. And they came out a month apart? Uh, yeah, something like that. 
Yeah. So um, no, I can't really remember. Like, I remember, uh, I don't like they've always just been there. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I can't remember the first time I watched it, but at the same time, I can remember initial thoughts of things. Like I said before, that guy had in the hallway, I thought was going to last a long time. He lasted. <laughs> yeah. I remember little random bits like that um, from all the films. Um, but I can't like specifically remember. Oh, this was the first time I watched it. Do you guys? Did you guys resonate with like any character in particular? Do you guys remember like the this a new hope and be like, oh my god, I really loved. Luke was. I was boring as a kid. Luke was always my favorite. Like I just always liked the good guy. Hmm? Yeah, I've always been more Luke than Han. To be honest, I, don't, I always thought Han was kind of a dick. He was. He is. Yeah, yeah. Did, he was that cool guy that got yeah. all the girls, and you could never care. <laughs> you know the whole laser thing because yeah, they really want to hook up with your sister. Yeah. There's a whole story about that. <laughs> whole, sister then said, "Sorry." Like the change of, when you know, had like he's at the bar and like dude like goes to shoot him and he shoots him first and he dodges or whatever and that whole controversy. Him. Yeah, so like that's obviously like that plays into the he's an, a good guy. When did that happen? Did it happen right? At, like was the original version he shoots him first? Original he version, yeah, yeah. Greedo doesn't get a shot off. Okay, right. First one, he just like yeah. He, he just kills him straight off. And then there was the special edition where they changed it. So, you know, Greedo shot first, but it was done really poorly. Yeah. It's like he's half a foot away from him and he shoots and misses and then Han shoots. So it's changed over a few times. So now they basically shoot at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it, the original is better. Like he just shoots him, but, and there's so many things that they've be changed over time. But I just like, all right, whatever. It's not going to make me ruin the whole movie because of that one little bit. You yeah, didn't I, find Luke too annoying? Like even now, like watching this now again, yeah, I was he's so he's, annoying. He's annoying, annoying, yeah. It's like they're trying to escape and he's pressing all these buttons. <laughs> Leave me alone. Because he's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. It's the but, character, I yeah, think. But he that's why Luke was, you know, the everyman, like trying thinking of bigger adventure, trying to get out of his small little town. Like the scene where he looks at the binary sunset, I think is still one of the best that's scenes in all of stuff. Oh, that's like yeah, that's right at the beginning, right? That's yeah, when before. you know, after his uncle says, Oh no, you gotta stay here, and then he's sort of in like that. So good. It's beautiful. It is um, yeah, but that like that I love that shot. That whole scene is like it goes for twenty seconds, thirty seconds, but it's some of the best styles. And you totally understand where he's at. Like it's it's just he's so trapped by this thing. Do you think as kids you would be you'd feel the reason why Luke kind of resonates is because you'd feel like Luke, like yeah, the, the whole world, your so. parents are trapped. You, you know, they can't do the things you want to do. You want to adventure. You want to yeah, you think, totally yeah yeah I think so. Josh, you look like you're disagreeing with this concept. Just for me personally, like, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was just too young to understand. I yeah, we've had conversations about this before. Like, I was just a very very naive black and white sort of good and bad kid so for me it would have just been literally like luke's the good guy the hero of the story therefore that's my favorite it would have not been more complicated than that yeah but i think it's sort of like i don't know i had an active imagination as a kid like you know you see that it's like oh he wants to go on an adventure and obviously because of these movies and you know i watched so many fantasy movies before then like you know like sinbad and always robin hood and all this sort of stuff like classic movies Probably not before I watched Star Wars, but you know when you rewatch Star Wars, it's like, yeah, you want to go on these great adventures and see all these fantastical things. Obviously, no, it's not real, but you know, you wish it were real. Mm. Um, so you sort of you connect with him that way. I think so. Yeah, right. What about um, what about Obi Wan? What do you guys like about him? It's a bit hard. For, I mean, in the context of this film, I find it hard not to, because of how amazingly the 
prequels handle Obi-Wan. I think the problem is for me now he's quite polluted by that. Yeah, I can't. He's such think, an amazing character. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard now because, you know, the prequels have been around you know, for a long time now. It's hard not to associate the two. So mm. it's hard It's hard to even remember what I even thought of the character before then. Like, I, he was never my favorite character as a kid. No way. I think uh, I liked him as a... As like, a uh, like, I didn't... I had nothing against him. No, no. He was cool, uh, but he was like... He was good, but... Guy. Yeah, and he never really did much. He's like, all right, he walked around. He's, like, he's, he's still got some great scenes, and especially now in context with the prequels. Everything you say, you have that in the back of your mind, and it changes everything. Nice retconning by George Lucas. Um... But yeah, I think you know he did. He wasn't a standout sort of character as a as a child watching the film. There was nothing standout, you know. Oh, whatever. He had a boring fight scene with Vader and then dies. And but it seems like now, like he seems to be like you said because of the context of the rest of the film. Now he's a standout. Yeah. You know. Think, so like, what's now? Like, speak about how you feel about it. Him as a character now. What makes you without describing his history? Mm. What makes Obi Wan so interesting to watch in this film? I still think he's hard. Uh, yeah. I mean, even again, like even if you go forward, it's like I I know one of the most important scenes is at Obi Wan's house and talking about um, Anakin, mm. and you you know we know this fucking lie that he's telling him that he later justifies by saying that from a certain point of view you can you can say that what I said was true, right? That that Darth Vader killed Anakin Skywalker, but from a law point of view, I know that that's because that shit hadn't been written yet. I know that's the real reason, but like I, I've ha- I have a hard time seeing him as anything other than a really complicated person who played a huge role in completely fucking up the galaxy. That's <laughs> you know, I he, it's 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 his naivety, it's it's his hypocrisy, all sorts of problems lead to lead to what happened. Uh, and he's hugely responsible. And it, I think in A New Hope, because that performance is not connected to that grand scheme, because uh, of, you know, that sort of standalone nature of the original film, um, it almost feels like he's sort of being like, well, I'm over that. <laughs> I, I think you know there's an I mean? ego to him, which I didn't think of when I first watched the film years and years ago or whatever. But just watching it now, I was like, there's something about him that, in his old age, there's also like a, like he feels like he's bigger than he is. And I guess in some respects, because he gets taken down in the way that he does, that he becomes more. But just in like, there's that scene where, I mean, the whole point of, not the whole point of being a Jedi, but like Jedi is about balance and about peace. And it's not about showing off and being flashy. It's, but yet when Han questions the force, that's when you look, you look, we see uh, Obi-Wan with a facial expression. It's like, I'll show him, picks up the helmet, puts it on and says, now use your feelings. And, you know, we see that scene play off when the bit with where he, it's like he's, he's in that fight scene with Darth Vader and he sees Luke and he sees that, that they're all watching him. And then so, that's when he puts this quirky smile and that's when he surrenders to what he's about to do. I, you know, like, I don't know, when I saw those two moments in particular, I always thought like what that for me that seems like an old ego that exists there but I don't know if I'm totally misreading that. I sort of see those things as more he's been through a lot. You know like Han, Han says you know I've seen a lot of things and nothing believe nothing will make me believe in the force is like you know, Obi-Wan's you know he's had however many years of fighting in the clone wars serving the Jedi 
being using tw- the force every five seconds. Yeah, using the force every five seconds. You know, being essentially self-exiled onto Tatooine. No, he, the guy's been through a lot, and I think he just sort of sees as naivety on Han's part. It's like, I don't think it's like, I don't really say his ego. It's more like, you know, that's it's, yeah. It's I, just like, oh, that's a amusing sort of it's, point it's, of view. And you have to remember, it's like, you know, Han Solo grows up in like on Corellia in like a shitty corner of the galaxy and all this kind of stuff. Like Obi-Wan standing there being like, I've, I've stood inside the fucking Jedi council chamber. Mm. Like this shit, this shit ran the galaxy. It was real. We were taken seriously. Uh, But through the empire, which is, you know, really meant to be kind of like the Nazis. It's like anything that they didn't like that came before them, they eradicated from history and educated out of existence. So there's like a, a massive class disparity between him and Han. Well, it's a generation gap. It's it's less to do with class. It's like a generation gap of Han's growing up in a world that's post, uh, post, um, um, the Jedi Republic, post Republic, yeah, and post Jedi Order, and was there like three, four Jedi left? Like, oh, yeah. depends on how you look at it, but Depen- yeah, something like that. There must left. be there must be like thousands in reality. No. no? Well as 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 a kid it was always Obi Wan is the last Jedi. And then Yoda comes into it, all right, Yoda's the last Jedi. Mm. And then obviously after that Luke. But then with all the cartoons and stuff, obviously at the end of episode three, you know, they've killed a good chunk of the Jedi. You have to remember the vast majority of the Jedi were like it's not that hard to track them down. They were either in training, teaching at the thing, or out doing peacekeeping. And at the end of the Clone Wars, they were generals, most of them. So it wasn't hard to track them down, which is exact. And that's what, in between episode three and four, that's what Darth Vader spends like 20 years doing, is just hunting down Jedi and killing him. All right. I didn't, I didn't that's what know his job was for um, Palpatine. I'm getting that right, aren't I? Yeah, close enough. Yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of that's in sort of the comics and cartoons and stuff. I did not know that existed. It's hinted at at parts of. They say it in A New Hope, don't they? There's like. There's something about. They hint at it anyway. Something about like getting. They say he's the last one, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so it's, it's, you know, Obi Wan, but he's a great character and I always used to sort of love his like wisdom and all that kind of stuff. When you look at it in the scheme of things, you just sort of go, seriously, you're this irresponsible? You're going to. You're going to just start retraining the next kid that comes along, Anakin Skywalker's son, when you know how dangerous Anakin Skywalker was. He's probably learned a bit from then. <laughs> you hope Qui-Gon taught him something. Yeah. It's a bit, <laughs> little bit different where, you know, Anakin was always had anger management issues. There's a lot of, there's cut scenes from episode one where he has little fights with baby Greedo and stuff like that. So Anakin was always a problem. Anakin that. always had sort of problems. Um, whereas Luke sort of, I think it was more... I remember uh well, that's a different movie, but anyway. No, you can say I was gonna say when when uh Yoda goes to him, he's like, Oh, you're too too old to begin the train. He's like, Man, he's only twenty years old. And then they said Anakin was yeah. he's like eight years old. It's like fuck. Gotta be a fetus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it, Master Skywalker? Yeah. Uh is it the, there's more of those really terrible lines. And the younglings. Um we'll, we'll cry about episode yeah. three later. Yeah, of course. It's a long way away. So yeah, it's uh you know, that's basically how I feel about Obi Wan to be honest. But um yeah. Anyway, so then they get to the Death Star. 
<laughs> well, yeah, they get sucked into this stuff. I mean, we still have obviously Leia. What's what? What do people feel? I feel like this. I, I feel like I want to go through the characters because really, we we all know the story. And when I was starting to write down like the bullet points of like what happens, no point in going through the story. Well, yeah, yeah everybody's kind of seen yeah. it. Right? Not even just that. It's like there and are if so you many. Shame on you. Shame. You know, you're just saying that to Laura, right? Oh. <laughs> she's one of the nine people that what she actually listens to yeah and um but like i was writing down like i think i got to like 15 minutes of the film and i'd written down like 20 plot point changes i feel like they just they they, they couldn't get enough of trying to tell you a new story in every it's almost every shot was a different story point i know i understand that like most films every shot is useful but often every shot tells one story whilst this kind of felt like Every shot was telling one part of a big story that will eventually come yeah, together. I guess it's like, I guess you got to remember, you know, when it first came out, no one's ever seen this before. Mm. They, and like, there's all these, what the hell is that thing with little midget things shooting a robot in the desert? Yeah. It's this yeah. big vehicle thing and there's all these other dead robots lying around looking depressed and you don't know what's going on. Um, but I guess it's... Even watching it now, it's like there's 20 minutes of like no human characters besides sort of Leia. Yeah, yeah. And they're just walking around. I, I remember even a kid, as a kid, like it was like a, that 20 minutes for like two hours as a kid. Oh, yeah. It's that would like, have been like, so get to, slow. Get to the, that's why I never sort of watched Star Wars as a kid. Could you imagine so kids now? So slow. Yeah, you watch Empire and Jedi. Yeah, I, I watch Jedi like all the time. Like with the um, attention spans of kids now, could you imagine? Be, yeah, it would be tough for it. It was tough for me to get through it as a kid. Yeah, and it's tough for me to get through it now as an adult. Yeah. Like, it's, and it wasn't, sorry, when I say tough, I mean, it wasn't like the, the hardest thing ever. It's just, I was like, man, this really like. Yeah, but I guess, like, 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 well, I guess I was trying to come around to, well, yeah. it's, you know, they're establishing uh, that whole used universe that you've never seen before, and you're the whole thing being pl- plonked right in the middle of it. Mm. And it's like, yeah, this stuff is happening. And it's, it's sort of good how he does it where. They don't. They don't explain everything to you. They don't handhold you through it all. You just you experience it. You're going through the adventure with the two droids, and you're just all right. That's just what the universe is. Yeah, and the fact is, it works. You know, it's that you might be going, "What the fuck is going on?" for a while, but the fact is, like, it really works because what the film teaches you is like, I know you're looking at weird things. There's big ships. There's lots of things going on. That doesn't matter. Like, that's what they're saying is like, this shit all just works. Everything's fine. This is the world that they all live in. It's normal to them. Catch up. It does very, very successfully. So what do we know? It wouldn't be a fucking gigantic hit if if that wasn't true. So what do you think of Leia then? Let's go. Let's go on to her. I thought. Awesome character. She's so spunky. Because you remember before. Yeah. She's like, she's not a, a princess in distress. Mm, or she kind of does she, become she, that, right? Yeah. Well, she she gets kidnapped at the beginning, but you know, but you see that she's her resistance to the mind probe is considerable. Like you know, she's a strong character, and then when she gets busted out, she's the one who takes control of everything. Yeah. And she even lies, like to uh, yeah. yeah. Was Vader in the room? He was in the room when she lied. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she managed to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. She lies, and her entire planet gets blown up. At, in well, front, regardless, of her. anyway, in front of her. But I guess like before then, like how many strong female leads were there sort of before, like in that kind of princessy sort of role? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you look at all the classic adventure films, the, the princess never does Jack. Oh, yeah. She's totally. just always there and they have their- They're the reward. They're, they're, they're yeah, the prize exactly. that the hero wins exactly. at the end of the fight. So, you know, she's, she um, turns that cliche on its head. 
Mm, especially for its time. I mean, I guess like, yeah. I because once again, she does fall into the tropes of having to be saved. She does, it's almost like she's a, uh, she almost makes fun of the tropes a little bit, but but in the same vein, she is kind of a part of it, being the princess. She doesn't really fly any of the ships. She doesn't take part in the, the other than the kind of But the commanding. thing that's interesting is like when she gets captured, her main objective is to get the Death Star plans to her people. That's one of the fundamental differences as well. She doesn't, she doesn't care about her being rescued. Mm. She cares about those plans getting to the rebels. She's she will die for that cause. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what the difference is. They go to rescue her because they're like, oh my god, we need to rescue her because she's Pure a princess luck. in distress. They just happen to be there. Yeah, yeah, true. And, and 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 then she's like, her thing is cool. Okay, you're rescuing me, but where are the plans? Yeah, you know, yeah. she's not going. Oh wow, thank you. You've rescued me. I needed rescuing. She doesn't care about being alive. Yeah, she's more annoyed that those people are slowing her down. She needs to do that. So there is there is actually a huge difference there. Like it's not there is no element of damsel in distress only from Luke's point of view. Does that situation exist and that's because he's wandering around everywhere going grand adventure. I'm on an adventure. I'm not on my planet anymore. You know, yeah. I'm a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> I was born here, you know. Oh. I'm gonna die here, you know. I'm never coming back to this planet <laughs> for a whole two years. I'm so um, excited to see the other other movies. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, like, like I said, I'm happy I watched it. I really enjoyed enjoyed that film, but I really want to see Luke as like a serious. Have you never seen these movies? No, I have, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just been a long time since oh, okay, I saw yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, and I just I I remembered it so much more highly. And I remember we had a conversation would have been like middle of last year, like when we were probably talking about the series, and about how like A New Hope is really very much the worst made of the the whole series, like as a film. Like it's it like pioneered a whole genre. It changed the film industry for you know for the better, but it really isn't the best Star Wars. It's film. held together with sticky tape. Oh yeah. 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 I mean literally, like it like yeah, sticky of... tape is what they do. Yeah, yeah. But like it's it's but it's literally and figuratively held together barely um when you watch it again. And you especially when you watch it in the context of the other films and you go, man, this could have this could have bombed very hard if people didn't fall in love with it. And people if, did for the if right reasons. People hadn't cut it really well. Yeah, and this is where like we see that. Well, I'm hoping I don't know. We we'll watch the next movie and be like, oh my god, it's just as bad. But I, I, I uh, Empire, <laughs> not by a no, but you can tell like from it. Besides, yeah, well, Empire everyone likes it the best. Um, it just when it comes into it, it just feels like bigger budget, more lovers coming to it. Everyone's on board with it now. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's acted better. Obviously, oh my god, different the, the performances, obviously. performances are so much better. The structure is all is. Is so much better. They came. I mean, the technological differences are just immense. Yeah. When they when they leap up, it's it's the setup, right? It's like I always say about um, you know, a new hope. It's sort of like it's it's part of an alley oop in basketball, right? One player passes the ball up to the other player, and the other player dunks. And it's like to to me, Empire's the dunk, right? And um, not saying I know what Return of the Jedi is, but that's that's really how it is. I mean, when you you have to put it in the context of like the closest thing I can think of is when I saw Batman Begins, I went, how the fuck can they top that? That is mm. forever going to be the best Batman movie ever. That was amazing. 
I, I heard they're making a sequel. How can they possibly beat it? And they made The Dark Knight and it would like blew people. That movie's mm. fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. But that's the context you really have to watch Star Wars in is that that's what people thought when they saw Star Wars was like, what the hell are you going to do with a second one? You can't, it's either the second one's going to be rubbish you could, because you can't, that like that's how amazing Star Wars was. And they are in a lot of ways now, like my biggest regret about Star Wars my love of Star Wars is that I I watched it to death is is the only thing I regret about it is that and that's why I haven't seen A New Hope uh, I don't watch the original trilogy very much because I just now yeah, I saw something new in this one mm. that sounds really dumb but I how I'd never noticed that before but like I saw the T-16 in the background for the first time and I was like that's so funny I've never noticed that before but, and that, but I have to not watch it I, I only watch it every um probably five years or so I get around to it. Prequels I'm fine with. I love what I happily watch them all the time, but A New Hope is just one that I don't watch that often. It's also not my favorite um, because it does sort of feel like that pure bright energy adventure. And I just love everything aesthetically about Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi more like the blues and things like that. I love all those colors that they put into it. But A New Hope is just this incredible adventure into something that again you have to remember no one had seen this shit before mm. you know and then other uh, it's like ridley scott used it as a you know when he got the script for alien he was like ah oh, i want to i want to do the star wars thing i want to like make this <laughs> but i want to do it ridley scott style so it's going to be like totally when you think of the whole used universe things those are the two movies you think of yeah and no one's done it better since oh peter jackson not better, but as well. In what? Or oh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but so, it's so yeah. beautifully done. So when you say used universe. So b- before that, it's 2001, for instance, everything is fresh. Everything's yeah. clean. Everything's new. No, no one had ever seen like a film universe where everything was filthy. It's because like so, or every science fiction film before that, I know we don't say Star Wars is science fiction. Yeah. But every every science fiction before that, you know, it's set in the far future. Everything's perfect. Everything's nice and clean and spotless. And everyone's Star wearing Trek. latex, <laughs> like clothes yeah. and things. You know, everything's like, it's like, it's unrealistic. Whereas opposed to this is like, man, the universe is shit. It's grungy. It's, it's dirty. It's yeah. grotty. There's scum everywhere. It's like, you know, it's it's more realistic. If it was like, yeah, all right, this looks like it's actually been lived in, mm-hmm. um, especially like, yeah, with Star Wars and Alien, it's like, yeah, all right, this is a massive truck in space. And that also like appeals to the prequels, which uh, supposedly, I mean, as far as one I gathered, not that once again, we will go into that when we see them, but this is supposed to be like many years after and this is when 30. thing. There you go. Where things kind of like fell apart and things were trying to like, and you see like that clean... It's, it's sort book. of different with the prequels, though, because it's, 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 it's 20 years, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Right. Once again, the point well, 30, 30 years from Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because right. uh, that's the, like people bring up that argument. It's like, oh, you know, everything's too clean in the prequels. Um, it's not as it it's not dirty. But it's like, all right, but you got to look at the context of where the locations are. Mm. In, in Star Wars, like the original, they're all sort of dirty. They're on a desert planet these are and they're all it's all the rebels all the lower end of society whereas with the prequels this is the jedi and the politicians it's a totally different mm. class of characters when you go to tatooine it's shitty 
Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like there's nothing nice about that. Or if you go to Geonosis, that's shitty. Um, the, the the other thing I remember when I see that comparison is like I see because when I when I see that dirtiness and that grittiness, and then I see like I, I see it as a power struggle. So right now we have the empires at its strength. On the yes, all clean. the empire stuff is all clean. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Like everything, like other than the fact that in in Blu-ray we can see the scratches on the perfectly shined everything, and everything you can see the details being broken apart. But but generally speaking, it looks all clean cut. And when you compare that to the the rebels, it's like wires hanging out of the wall, and that that's the kind of that's the difference. And I imagine yeah. the prequels talk about a time where the Jedi have a lot of strength and power. So And so many things do. It's like, you know, when they the idea behind the difference of the looks of the ships in the prequels and stuff, like the Naboo Naboo Starfighters and things like that. That's from an age where you didn't need mass produced war machines. That's what happened with the Clone Wars. So the shittiness of sort of things like the X Wings and the TIE Fighters and all that sort of stuff. Um that comes from that time does it come from the does those ships come from necessity yeah or so it's not like so that's why like the the luxurious kind of i guess oh, i don't want to go into the film but i guess if you're going in prequels you're talking about the fact that the, those ships were designed for more like a look and a class and aesthetic yeah. and less like practical and they only need to make a few of them because yeah just think, defending yeah. a few spots on your planet whereas like these people are creating me- gigantic mechanized fleets of like galactic conquest um that you know it's the difference between um like it's the difference between needing like a hundred tanks before world war ii and realizing you need forty thousand tanks halfway mm. mm-hmm. it's that's that's sort of the real difference and uh and i love that shittiness of the stuff that the rebels have because what they have is essentially you know the offshoots of what was Republic technology that mm-hmm. sort of like split off and then God knows who their manufacturers are. But A really cool point about that that I noticed is that like the difference between the Empire, is that what they're called? Am I saying that name right? Are they the Empire? Yeah, or like, it's the Galactic Empire. The Galactic Empire. Yeah, whatever, the Empire. But when you compare their ships to um, to like the Rebellion, you notice that they all the rebellion ships have like an R2 unit or something or a robot unit in there that maintains the ship mid-flight. Whilst I don't know if that, I mean, unless I'm mistaken no, with the law, those other guys are just expendable in the Empire. They just they just make, they just have the resources to keep making ships. They don't need to keep maintaining them and working them. They just toss them if they have to. They, in the law, they like conquer planets to do that stuff. What do you mean by that? To mass produce things. Oh, like they, I think Rogue, what was that one movie called? Uh, you probably think about Solo. No, no, there was the, no, because there was a whole thing about like they were t- taking a particular type of. That was Rogue One when they're taking the crystals out. If that's oh, right. yeah, yeah. And to, the de- for the Death Side. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So I was thinking that that might describe what you're talking about. With- yeah, like the Corellian shipyards. It's like, you know, in the beginning of Solo, it's like the whole planets. Yes, they have the Corellian shipyards there and they make really amazing stuff, but. They go into overdrive when you see they're making fucking star destroyers and all that type of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Like they they require massive amounts of thing, and that's part of the thing is that you know how how can you make Death Stars? I mean, obviously it's complete and utter bullshit. But if you can conquer an entire galaxy with the technology that they have in Star Wars and enslave people and force them to churn stuff out, that's that's what's happening. That's the stuff that they don't 
because you're with the heroes all the time in Star Wars, you don't investigate. Um, you're you're really just told through cinema, either you know through the crawl in A New Hope, and then through as you were saying earlier, like black costume versus white costume, nice music versus evil music. You're told through that these guys are evil, but they're genocidal, enslaving fucking. Well, they just fascists. they just destroyed a planet. We're like, oh yeah, we'll destroy this planet first. Yeah, first. Just demonstrate gonna, our just, power. Just to do yeah. it. Just, yeah. just because. to scare people, to test the weapon, and then what will they do next? And it's like any time a planet becomes a problem, they will blow up the planet instead of a town, mm. you know? So it's they're fucking evil. And they even say it in that meeting, they, like how are we going to control everyone is by fear and not by anything else. And it's quite funny because uh, the main line in that scene that everyone forgets is uh, that that's... Uh, as Tarkin walks in, he says, you know, you don't need to worry about the Senate anymore. It's been completely dissolved. So that moment in A New Hope is is that we know that a sham Senate. So the, it becomes the Galactic Empire in um, uh, uh, at the end of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And then it takes until the completion of the first Death Star for the emperor to be able to completely eradicate uh, the remnants of democracy. So they still had the Senate up until that scene is the first, like it's gone. That's when it's gone. So it's around for a really, really long time. And that's when he sort of finally takes control. And it's funny how that was sort of like a throwaway line before. Oh yeah, he's all the same. Like, you don't. You can barely even hear the yeah. line sometimes when it happens. But it's such good law. But but then now it's like <laughs> knowing what you know about the prequel movies. Yeah. It's like what they just the, the Senate was such a big sort of part of that story, and it's like it's gone. Yep, totally gone. And we just and the other thing I love about it now with it, with the context of the prequels is that we know that the Senate ceased to be of democratic uh, meaning or democratic purposes. Uh, it ceased, ceased to serve those like by about the end of episode two. By the time Revenge of the Sith happens, that 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 one. Um, by the time the Battle of Coruscant, if you want to put it into the timeline of Star Wars, by the time that happens, really the Senate is just so fucking corrupted by Emperor Palpatine, um, where he's literally corrupting the minds of senators. Mm, right. Um, and he had you see him walking around with different senators and whispering in ears and just tiny little things they put in. So we know that democracy has been dead for a long time in the galaxy, and he has special war powers and all that sort of stuff. It's just interesting to see how long he lets the charade continue. Um, and that's one of the things that's so wonderful about New Hope as well is that you just the emperor is this thing off somewhere. Yeah, you know, there's a big there's someone above them that gets yeah. mentioned a couple of times, but no idea who he is, what he looks like. Yeah. That it maybe has eyes like a monkey. Yeah, maybe. What's that reference? <laughs> a thankfully fucking fixed effect. Oh, uh, really? That yeah, as in Empire, the original one was like a monkey face on the top of an old woman thing. Really? Because they hadn't cast yeah. Palpatine. Because they hadn't cast the actual character. Oh, right, right. And they went back and put him in. Fucking brilliant actor. What was his name? Ian McDiarmid. Ian McDiarmid, yeah. yeah. Nails it in all. What do you do, five films? five three seconds of empire and then yeah yeah now i want to talk about vader because obviously this is like i i i was gonna say when i was watching the beginning of the the film i was you like mean darth darth that's right <laughs> yeah sorry sorry i should call him by his proper name darth um, up, darth 
You know <laughs> so that's like emo. calling me Mister, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that like uh, I actually really enjoyed his performance. I know that it obviously came from his voice, which was done later on. But even like in a lot of his actions and a lot of the way he moves, some of it was a bit clunky. Some of the times I noticed that he was standing because I don't think he could sit down in that suit. That was my theory on the matter. Because um, there was a couple of moments where he's just like, you know, like, do you not want a seat, buddy? And he's like, I'm okay. Why you seat, sit when you don't get tired? Exactly, right? You're a robot. Um, but I guess... What's that? Just said, think about it. Yeah. Well... Yeah, I just did. And I answered that. So now let's move on. Um, I did really enjoy him as a like, I, I did find him like as a really good performance, even though there was nothing to it other than the voice. I don't know what you guys think of like uh, your feelings I mean, towards nah, that. I mean, David, we know that David Prowse like gave it his all. When you watch the footage, it's like not the, when you watch the original footage, he's fucking committed going for it because he thinks that his fucking Scottish accent is going <laughs> to. Go through the mask and yeah, not be Jesus ADR'd later. Christ. Well, so it's a, it's a <laughs> you, is there a footage of hearing him talk through the mask? Yeah. yeah. You'll be able to find it on YouTube yeah. pretty easily. Oh, my God. And it's <laughs> horrendous. Yeah. It's appalling. It's like, <laughs> get me the plans and bring them. I don't want them alive. And it's, it's, not like, that, it's not that bad. It's fucking terrible. That's amazing. But he's giving his all. But, you know, James L. Jones, brilliant, you know, southern... Shakespearean actor, I think he might have the chops to pull that off a bit better. Um, thank fuck that's who they chose. The, and oh, but C3PO was meant to be dubbed as well. And then they went around in circles and they went, eh, he's pretty annoying, actually. Let's use him. Keep the original. But is yeah, there, oh, look. Is he a pawn, Darth Vader? Yeah, that's what I always found interesting watching this movie originally. Mm. It was like, I have a feeling I, I watched Star Wars before the rest of them, but I can't remember. But in that one, it feels like. He's an underling. Mm. He's like an enforcer. He's not actually sort of in charge at all. And it's not even the emperor. It's this dude before him that. Yeah, so like it feels like you know, Tarkin. yeah, it feels mm. like you've got the emperor, then Tarkin, then Vader, sort of in in that level. Um, but then obviously when Empire Strikes Back comes around, it's like all right, now he's in charge. He doesn't have a sort of boss, immediate manager above him anymore. He reports to. But is that because what uh, he he gets killed? That Tarkin gets killed in that Death Star? Like because that's what. There's no other Grand Moffs. Cinema in the cinema thing, no. but that there was an interesting thing I read ages ago where it was like, um, uh, normally it would be someone of a lower level than Vader to go and hunt down the rebellion, but it was like Palpatine was so pissed off about what happened to the Death Star that he was yeah, like, fucking um, go and fix this Vader. There's, re- there's recent comics basically that came out. Oh, the Vader series? Yeah, I think it was the Vader series, yeah, where basically Emperor's got the shits hard that. And the Emperor is annoyed that Vader got the, basically was involved with the Death Star being blown up. Um, and when you think about it, he's been making that Death Star for 20-something years. It's yep. first sort of shown in in Episode 2. Mm-hmm. And you see it start being built at the end of Episode 3. So it's 20 years and, oh, yeah, thanks, Vader. You just helped blow it up because it was his idea to let them escape and find the Rebel base. Um, and so that the other Moff, I can't remember his name, what, oh, what's the, a moth other than a thing that flies into moth, lights? M-O-F-F. It's, yeah. it's a military rank, essentially. Is that a real military rank or is this a Star Wars military rank? It's just a Star Wars thing. Yeah, and what, what is, what's the ranking? Like, what, do you know? What, where the, <laughs> I know there's moths and green moths. Whatever people make up. Yeah. Okay. So there is no like official ranking. <laughs> there's admirals uh, I'm sure there is and captains. Some, yeah. I think admiral, all that. Uh, it might be more 
political actually because you got admirals and things they're more with the navy um with the actual ships and stuff but then you yeah. got the moths so it might be a more maybe political thing as well apology accepted um but there's this whole arc in the comics where that other moth with the bowl haircut the one who's having the argument when they first walk in the room mm-hmm. um basically he's been vader sort of gets assigned to him and starts doing all these crappy work to basically prove himself again um, it's pretty cool comics, actually. Yeah, yeah. So does it kind of go through him hunting Jedi, or is this way after well, the, Je- the Jedi? Are sort of, all, that's I think there might be a couple lying around, but um, there's not too much of that. It's more just doing these other um, jobs in Vader, trying to get back into favor. They're pretty interesting. It, it is an interesting concept. It's it's kind of funny because like I had always felt like he was super important. You always felt like he was number two. Um, like you had the emperor was the boss, yeah. like in the concept, in the context of the original trilogy, emperor was number one and Vader was number two. But it's not real. He's not. It's like Vader is just like you're my you're my enforcer. Mm, you're almost a representative. Because Palpatine uses yeah. it, and and again, like once you see the prequels, you realize that he will just take anyone on as his apprentice that suits him at that time. Mm. And that's one of the things I love about Star Wars is that as we see later on with with like you know vader pleading to luke is that there's just no loyalty whatsoever in any of that you know uh he gets palpatine decides that he wants to have anakin instead and so he just like you know has uh has him cut off dooku's head and he's like yeah i'll make you my apprentice now kind of thing it's it's pretty i mean he's been grooming him before that but it's it's that thing of palpatine's just gonna use whoever but that's kind of the kind of premise of the dark side, I imagine, isn't it? Like that. It's all, it's all selfish. Yeah, it's that's all for right. Personal gain, essentially. Yeah, and we won't get into what they're like doing with the you know newest films, which I kind of I love the concept of because I I'm really excited to talk about the the way that they're trying to kind of destroy the the black and whiteness of of Star Wars. Um, but it's yeah, I guess it's just representatives of of like hate and the worst parts of humanity, I guess is what they're trying to do there. Right. It's just, yeah, it's, I, it is just really good and bad, but and, and Vader is just pure, pure in that movie. evil. Yeah. That they over time to have a better idea of how to handle that. I think it's, it's, it's really, yeah, I, don't, I have a feeling like in this original movie, they just, they didn't have like Lucas had some ideas of backstories, you know, and he obviously has a history with Obi Wan's little, you know, Vader killed your father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he has some, but even from that, it's like, all right, he was he was a good Jedi, but he turned bad, and that's about it from his story, really. Yeah. Um, it's only obviously once the you know Empire and Jedi came out, they actually gave him a proper character because really, there's not much to his character. No, he's just we, we fear him. That's it. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's a bad guy. I don't want to mess with him. And we don't even, like, we only fear him. The only fear that I get from Vader, oh, I guess he's in the ships and he's chasing them down. But, like, I was, like, going to say, other, there's no real confrontation with Almain. Like, we don't, we don't no, see him confront No, we know how powerful he is, right? Like, yeah. that choking scene is enough for us to go. Well, pretty much every scene he's in, fuck? just about. He, wa- yeah. he just walks in, surveys the damage, cho- you know, lifts a guy off the floor, yeah. throws him against the wall. You see that, you see when he's force choking someone, you mm-hmm. see him, um, you know, he kills Obi-Wan, he's then a good pilot. It's like- But yeah, him and Luke never- yeah. yeah, they never have like a one-on-one kind of interaction or- Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's in a murky area because it's just a lot of, not a lot of it, everything that is happening in this film is serving just this film. 
it's not designed to serve. It's very much a standalone film. films. Mm. It, it was he he never in a million years thought he was getting another shot. So that's super interesting. Cause I, when I because I was literally thinking the opposite. I was thinking that that because he because of Vader not actually kind of standing in front of all the heroes and being like the that wall that they have to get through because he's always seemed to be to the side of what the main like what the main dudes are trying to get to like the kind of achievements he's always he's never like really the block between success and failure he's always seemed to be kind of intervening in the story and I, that makes me feel like he's always he's always a, like like they're always lining him up for the next film. They're always trying to make him like this is the beginning of him. This is him just like saying, showing his face and showing his power, but not actually being like, I'm your wall and you need to get through me. It always seems to be like he's a helper to the story, which makes me think that, it, that that's because they were thinking about the next film. They're thinking that in the next film, he will be the wall. He'll be the thing that you have to get through to actually achieve your goals. Which, once again, I'm not sure if that's actually true, but that's kind of the way I felt about Vader in this film. Yeah, well, they obviously had some ideas set up because he got away. Yeah, it's that's like right. he's the main, he's like one of the main bad guys, and you, they clearly show him escaping. Mm-hmm. It's not like they just they spun him off and then he just disappeared. You see him he gets disappear, control of his ship again, and then yeah. he flies off straight. So you know there was always like he always had ideas for sequels, but I think the way that the film was made is like you know if this. Doesn't have a sequel. It, it is yeah pretty self-contained, especially yeah. especially being dropped into the middle of the story, um, as it is. Yeah, you could. You're right. You could almost like if it wasn't successful or it was mildly successful, you could just be like, oh, cool, that was a cool film, and let's walk away. Maybe people will write you know comics about it, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Instead, he built an empire. <laughs> That's really lame, Josh. It wasn't intentional. I mean, like, he really did. Yeah, no, no, he actually really did. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you guys want to... Am I missing any points? Because I feel like... I was going to talk about the story, but then I'm like, Han once Solo, again, people know. Yeah, oh my God. Han Solo is probably one of the big elements. Like, he, he was probably one of the better actors. He's cool. He's he was a dick. He's funny. Turns out he's got a heart of gold. <laughs> I don't know if, even if that's, like, properly true. Like, I feel like he's got, like... It's so, like... Yeah, he's he's the the guy that comes back. I did I did find that really cringy when he does like when they all land at the end and like one one first of all like Luke being attached to R two D two and being like oh my god and then just like being happy again that he's won but then like they all like Han runs in and hugs Luke and then Leia runs in and they're like oh my god you did come back and say like she like literally expositions what just happened I thought it was just the most awkward layer of expedition that just didn't wasn't I'm going needed. to paraphrase George Lucas here but this is roughly what he has said about dialogue because uh, I was watching um I was watching Revenge of the Sith with the his audio commentary and he was like it was a scene between Anakin and and uh Padme it's it's a like I don't care anymore <gasps> don't say that that scene um and uh he was saying like I don't really like dialogue I mean <laughs> Dialogue is just the vehicle to get you from this plot point to the next plot point. And you're like, that is not the purpose of dialogue yeah. at all. It's meant to do about five different things, but okay, sure. Hopefully you can do a hundred different things. But like, that's that's who you're talking about. But again, like, put it in the context. Like, what else does it need to do? It's fucking Star Wars. It's not No Country for All Men. It's it's not There Will Be Blood. It feels, like, feels like something, like, going back to... Right, at the start of when we started talking, 
It seems like Star Wars, for some reason, has this extra layer of pressure put on top of yeah. it. It has to be at a certain mm. level. has to be this, you know... That it was never at. It, ne- it never was. People have got this in their mind where it's this... It has to be this masterpiece of cinema across all levels when it's not. It never was. It's just... it. it it's Star Wars. Star Wars, I think now that we could really start to say Star Wars is basically a genre onto itself. I think I think that it is so separated itself from other things mm. and it's so identifiable in what it is, despite there being three very clear phases of what Star Wars is. Um, there's bullshit that I will put... Like, there's in episodes of Clone Wars, and I, I promise you, I'm so close to finishing it. Um, <laughs> they that like you watch it and you just go, I won't fucking tolerate this and anything else. But I get it because it's in Star Wars. Mm. It's the same as me being like, fuck Shakespeare, this soliloquy is boring. But it's like, but that's it's Shakespeare. That's what it is. So why am I annoyed? Mm. Why do I want more or less out of it? That's why I really liked what um, the new ones did because they just like. I don't think they took Star Wars too seriously. They I think had, uh, they t- obviously to a certain degree they had to they because do, of the but fans, think, but it was like fun. Yeah. It was in, like exciting and it was like nostalgic and it was it looked cool and it made me go woo. And and it also told the exact same story again almost with like different very I mean 8 didn't. That, that was the whole point of 8 was just to be like uh, arguably 8 did. Like when you when you when you take it apart, oh sorry, 8 or my think no eight because obviously nine's the one that hasn't come out yet. Yes, eight. It, when you when you pick it, p- pick it apart, you go. It's kind of has a lot of similarities to Empire. It's got similarities to Empire and Jedi. Yeah, sort of, they put it, them both it, together. it does, but the end like result is completely different. The end result is like there's more to the world and the Force than the Jedi and good and bad. There's other stuff. Well, I think that's, I mean, we will talk about that film when we get to it because like we'll watch it again and because it's clear in my mind, I'm like, I I can see those similarities and I can see what they're doing again. But you are right. The end of the film, you know, like there's so much to to hint at that. But but the reason why I bring up those films in relation to these films is exactly the point you guys are making about Star Wars is just... It's never been this um, like trying to be this pretentious, amazing, like all like perfect filmmaking process that's told this amazing story that's so depth, like and so deep and you know hard to pro- like understand. And you have to like spend hours talking about. It. No, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be like it's supposed to make us feel cool. It's supposed to make us have a good time. It's supposed to like let our brains kind of go wild. And the newer films kind of feel like they try to re-energize that feeling. Um, and that's what, and I guess, obviously, what A New Hope was trying to do. So we shouldn't, I mean, we should put it on a pedestal for its historic place, but I don't think it should be put on a pedestal for, you know, like perfect it's, cinema. It's, cinema. It's, it shouldn't be like, yeah, um, as you said earlier, like you just, so often you read shit from about Star Wars written by alleged journalists or like people posting on Facebook about Star Wars and you just go, when the fuck did you last watch these things? Like, when did you, how long ago was it that you watched it? Because the film you saw based on what you're saying is not the film I've ever seen. You know, the things that people want out of Star Wars, I think what they're not acknowledging is that they've in some way, and I don't mean this is about being an adult or maturing or anything like that, but they, Either Star Wars has outgrown them or they've outgrown Star Wars. Star Wars has lost its relevance to them. 
mm-hmm. is is what I think happens to people. The, um, people want what it can't give and never gave. Mm. Star Wars is very generational. You've got the original trilogy, you've got the prequels, you've got the Clone Wars, you've got the sequels. Like you have a new generation of kids mm. watching these movies as kids. Mm. You know, you've got 10-year-olds watching when the first Star Wars came out who are 50 now. Yeah. Like, they've been around for that long. Um, and when you think about it, you have, the prequels came out in 99. So, you know, you'd have 10-year-olds watching that. And as as far as they're concerned, original trilogy is boring. Yeah. Like, yeah. prequels is where it's at. I went to film school with some kids. That was actually... When, you know, in 2014, that was really when I started to open my mind up more about the prequels. I always loved Return of the Sith, but uh, Revenge of the Sith. But, uh, you know, they th- these people around me, like, they were, like, six years old or five years old or something when, when e- episode one came out. And the way they talked about it, I realized, was the way I talked about A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Re- Return of the Jedi. And you just go... um, I had this thing twig in my head and I went, I didn't get it. I totally didn't get what he was doing. He didn't he didn't give me what I wanted because that was never the point. The point was for him to to stay at the same level. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Did he direct the first the like the prequels? All three of them? All three of them, yeah. Yeah, right, right. And and then you look at the sequel trilogy and hopefully nine I don't know delivers a lot (laughs) but but like when you look at seven and eight it's like when i look at pictures from comic-con and shit like that and i see like a little six-year-old girl dressed up as ray with a fucking staff and stuff man it makes me so happy like that's what that that's who that's for i don't give a fuck like if you go oh episode seven was just like a fucking rehash of a new hope and yeah so much of it is but not to her Mm. Not, yeah, not that, might that, be the first, that might be the first Star Wars movie she's ever seen. Yeah, and that makes me so happy because I go, fuck yeah, Star Wars is making it through another generation. Or I met some kids who, uh, some friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine, they're, not my friend of mine, um, my cousin, they're kids, never seen Star Wars movies. Fucking Clone Wars TV series experts. Yeah, That's awesome. Like, And w- once you really hook into to that being the point, then- all the other shit just becomes bullshit. Like, and you start to be able to overlook shortcomings or things that you wanted that weren't there. Because, what fuck, you know, there's that sort of push and pull with fandom of going, we're the people that made you big. Um, so why do you abandon us? Blah, 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 blah. This, and this conversation isn't new. The people, particularly Star Wars fans, have been saying this since Return of the Jedi. People fucking hated that movie. They didn't like Empire either when it came out. Really? Heard it reviewed pretty well. Oh, but like fans didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just that's why I'm curious to see how the sequels go ten years from now. Yeah, Mm. because it's like now all of a sudden everyone likes George Lucas and the prequels weren't too bad. It's like yeah, that's not what he said when. Yeah, the same people that forced him out. Yeah, essentially, and that's exactly why he sold it. That's what he says. He's like the way that people responded to the prequels told me that they never want me to make a film again. So that's why I'm. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. So anyone who massively shat on him can thank themselves for that situation. Mm. So this is the Star Wars you get when 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 you destroy George Lucas uh, on an emotional and spiritual level. So you know, and almost get actors to kill themselves and other mm. ones to become drug yeah. addicts and fucked up. So you know, 
it's about that thing of At just the end of the day, it's, it it's a movie. It's a fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> like you yeah, can like, love it. You can you go you can adore it and get fully into it. But far out, man, it's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing I love. That's one of my favorite things about talking to Tony about is like we both get completely sucked in and can get into like some crazy massive conversation about Star Wars and then go, it's a fucking movie. Like that's mm. that's the thing that I find is really fun about it is that you can sort of um have a lifelong relationship with star wars that just changes through time and and the other thing that's great about it is there's always something in a different medium with star wars you always not the moment but if you go back into back catalog you'll find a video game you'll find the tv series you'll find the books you'll find you know and it just it just doesn't matter what it is and if it's canon or not anymore there's just it's just there and in a way that i really think it's just a genre on its own now it's just it's its own thing you know, if there were still video stores, I think they shouldn't have Star Wars in the sci-fi section as they always did. There should have just been a Star Wars section, you know? So I think it's just... So like a two out of 10? Is that what you guys feel about Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> you cannot have more than 100%. Yeah. No, not because you need to rank this, but like there's this film, when you look at it purely as a film, not as a how it changed the industry and uh but just in a in the place in the lore of star wars like where like you don't have to give me like an official ranking but like where does it place on the on your scale of like do i do i love this film or or is this film ranking ranking is always interesting i think Mm. it changes especially with new films like i was just saying before like you know how do you rate eight compared to all the rest of them or Mm. whatever it's like I can sort of give you immediate thoughts on things, but then ask me in 10 years when I've watched it a hundred times mm-hmm. and then I'll tell you what to rank it. But like generally like Star Wars fluctuates, but it's usually mid high out of all the yeah, me films. Too. Yeah. Do you mean a new hope is kind yeah. of mid, yeah. mid high? Yeah. I think uh, for me, it definitely comes below, you know, Empire, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi. At the moment, I would put seven on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love at so. the moment I would put solo on top of it that's going to change I'm going to yeah, like fluctu- the rankings fluctuate but, all but like that's how I feel because like you, you know as you know it's only like solo solo blew me away I just expected a steaming pile of shit and was like <laughs> oh, what a fucking fun movie this is it, seriously I love that movie mm-hmm. I just uh, you know it, it just totally as I said blew me away but uh, the rankings the rankings fluctuate um, Return of the Jedi was always my favorite one. Uh, and then Attack of the Clones used to be my favorite Star Wars film. Like, I, f- I you don't even know what's going on e- anymore. Episode one is a, I, I think, a much better film than episode two. I think when the prequels came out, as they came out, that's my new favorite <laughs> Star Wars movie. <laughs> like, <every laughs> Revenge of the Sith for me hasn't really shifted. I've, I love that film, episode three. Is, yeah, I think Revenge of the Sith. Still my number one, I think. I'm so excited to get to that because, like, I'm you know, I haven't really watched the prequels. I think I watched all of them once. Maybe the first one I watched a couple of times. I actually really enjoyed the Phantom Menace. I enjoyed the first film, but I really loved the choreography of the the sword play. I like yeah, wide I, shots. I forward to your groaning yeah. at all of Anakin's lines. Oh yeah, I, the second film I think is going to be no. The sand is so coarse. That does not beat. Are you an angel? Oh really? Okay. You see the angels in um the Clone Wars or something? Really? Well, maybe it's. Are you an angel? You see the angels. Someone tell me that there's angels. In ten years, I'm gonna bang you. 
That was always a bit odd, eh? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's it's like, like mm. you were a little child when the guys met. Like, to be fair, she's 17. In, when they met, and he's like 12 or t- eight. Eight. Uh, I think eight. In the story, she's, she's younger than 17. Yeah. I think like I think Natalie Portman was like seventeen or eight. Oh, that's right. She's meant to be fourteen. She's meant to be fourteen, I think. Yeah. Okay, that makes a little yeah. less like weird and creepy. Yeah, uh, Natalie Portman was seventeen, I think, when they shot it. And yeah, then, something like that. Um, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was. She was meant to be um, about fourteen. But anyway, we got a lot. That's like a lot of history to talk about, and we've yeah. probably been talking for anyway. Two hours. Star Wars. Yeah. Any <laughs> final thoughts? Don't watch it. Well, he's not the only hope. There is really another. Not. That's true. Um, and- change that storyline as well. <laughs> oh, is that is this another thing that happens that I just don't even know about? Because oh. I heard that Disney kind of like totally just. Oh, just- oh no, no, this was this was pre Disney days. Oh, really? No, well, that's when the whole when that's Empire though. It's a different movie where Yoda goes. Oh, there there is another because Luke was meant to die off, and then what? Leia was meant to. I think it was meant to be Leia, or even someone else. Because Leia, Luke, and Leia thing that came way later as well. But it's, oh. it's, it's like a throwaway thing that I think is like we'll talk about when we get to Empire. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because that's mm, it's not throwaway, but people forget. I feel people forget that's in Empire Strikes Back, and it's in like one of my two favorite shots in that film. The lighting in that fucking shot is unbelievable as the X-wing takes off, and he's like, "He's our only hope. He's our last hope." And then it takes off, and then as the light goes dark, and then the light comes back up again, Yoda says, "No, there is another." Do you know what's so great? You no, know, Luke Skywalker isn't the only one. That that fun that so changes shit. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. Well, this is great because it's like a teaser to the next yeah. episode. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for for like doing this, Tony. Thank you very much for being a part of the podcast, Josh. And as always, like I said to Josh, I look at the time. It's eleven thirty eight. Every right. single time I look. Are at you the serious? Clock, it's eleven thirty eight. As in, like, just in general, Jimmy. Whenever you guys talk about Star Wars, THX one one three eight. THX one one three eight. It's a uh, George Lucas's first film. Oh my god, you guys are so nerds. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's he's like, oh, we're going to. Uh, he's a, he's a transfer from prison cell uh, from prison deck one one three eight. Someone mentions one one three eight or one one three eight features at some point in every Star Wars film. Oh my god, it's okay. a number plane in American Graffiti as well. Nice. Wow. All right. Well, you guys are nerds. Robert so, Duvall. Thank you for your time. Now. <laughs> Now, I think everyone's got to go to bed. Yep. Good night. Okay. (laughs) Thanks very much. Good night. So that's the podcast for today. Stay tuned as there will be a new podcast probably in about two weeks. Let's hope I can get that stuff together. And also, it'll be a new episode of this particular series, which uh, is episode four, five, and six at the moment. And hopefully, we'll do the other ones later. To keep up to date, don't forget to subscribe using Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode, I want to give a special shout out to Tony and Josh for being a part of this episode and a part of this series. You guys are awesome. This podcast was produced and edited by me, Piotr Wachileski, and the music was sourced from the Filmstory website. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>